Oh, oh. some little romance. Oh. Should've said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm already dead. Yeah. Recording. You're listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph, a fan podcast about the CW show iZombie. My name is Robin, and my top ten romantic comedies in no particular order are It Happened One Night, High Fidelity, When Harry Met Sally, Defending Your Life, Jerry Maguire, Punch Drunk Love, Benny and June, So I Married an Axe Murderer, A Little Romance, and They Came Together. And I'm Steph, and my top ten romantic comedies in no particular order are Harold and Maude, Sixteen Candles, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Apartment, The Holiday, Amy Hall, Bringing Up Baby, The Big Sick, Amelie, and I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. <laughs> what is that last movie? I have no idea what that is. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's yeah? part Chan Wook is South Korean, and oh. it, the uh, the male lead is Rain. Okay. Do you know who Rain is? Uh, wasn't he the guy that cameoed in Iron Man three for the uh, Japanese audiences? I have no idea. I didn't see that one. Is it? Is he the one who? Like his parents, uh, they were in the delivery room, and the father just kept saying, "Make it rain, make it rain," and she's like, "I am, honey." <laughs> <laughs> He is a K-pop star. Uh-huh. He's a pop and, star. And the star and now he's of like, I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. Uh-huh. I'm surprised we didn't have any overlap. I know. Because like I don't like that... romantic I don't like oh, wow. romantic comedies. I hate romantic comedies. Oh. Well, I mean, I like them if they're well written. They got good snappy dialogue and some of the ones that mm-hmm. I picked. I mean, Harry Met Sally is like one of those traditional romantic comedies, but you watch every time, every single time I watch it, it's just got snappy dialogue. It's really funny. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we're a member of the DC TV talk network and we're broadcasting live on their Mixler page tonight and, uh, check out DC TV talk for all your DC TV podcasting needs. That's DC TV talk.com. And, uh, yeah, we're live tonight, which means Steph can't hear any sort of music that I'm playing. So, you know, if I happen to be playing like, I don't know, our theme song, she might just kind of <laughs> ramble through it. Like what's going on? Anybody there? (laughs) Perhaps you heard that. Perhaps you did it. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Perhaps you'll edit it out. Perhaps not. Uh, The news section. uh, We don't have really much news except for um, all the episode titles were announced for this season, except for the season finale. We went through those episode titles in our season four preview podcast. Uh, if you hadn't heard that yet. Uh, but, Steph, the season finale of season four has a title, and it's called, And He Shall Be a Good Man. Is that a Beatles quote or something? I have no idea. A Beatles song or a... Is it a song? Uh, not, I don't know if it, what it's referring to. Um, I actually put a Twitter poll up, and I said the title of the season finale, and he shall be a good man. Who do you think that the he is that the title refers to? And my choices were Blaine, Angus, Major, or someone else. And so winning, or who won that poll, was Blaine by 43%. And um, the second place was 26% someone else. So, <laughs> I mean, it could be anybody. Could be. We have no clue. Yeah. I mean, Peyton might decide to, you know, change her gender identity <laughs> by the end of the season. It might be her. 
I mean, I, my first instinct is to say Angus. Him. Should I said I should have said him. Um, uh, Angus, really. Mm-hmm. And he shall be a good man. It seems very, like a biblical quote. And he shall be a good man. I don't know. There's it's somebody yelling at their iPhones like. It's a song. Yeah. No idea. Uh, but that's it for <laughs> our little news section. Um, so let's get right into Brainless in Seattle Part 1. Um, I divided this episode Leave up into... On. And he shall be a good man. Leave, leave and he on. shall be leave on. Yeah. Introduce oh. him with the family plan. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> I won't say anything more <laughs> than that. But, uh, oh, wow. Did you just Google that? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, hmm. Maybe someone else is going to win this poll. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I won't say anything more, but uh, I, you shall soon uh, meet Levon in a couple weeks, I believe. So. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sadie agrees. Uh, <laughs> or was that Diana? It was <laughs> <laughs> Sadie. Podcast okay. puppy. Uh, divided this episode up into two sections. It wasn't as easy to divide up the, uh, as it was this time, except for there are – Two different uh, sections of the show, and they are in different worlds most of this episode. So we'll start with the case and uh, the brain that lives on, okay? So um, let's start right off uh, at the beginning, the teaser. This this lovely young girl is being snuck in by one of our coyotes, and... Um, it just kind of, she kind of climbs up a ladder and it like fades to white. <laughs> so, uh, and then of course there's a murder scene that Ravi and Liv go, uh, walk into and it's her. So I felt bad for this girl. Mm-hmm. She reminded me of Hope Davis. Oh, really? Do you know who Hope Davis is? Uh, I know she floats. Uh, no, she was in American Splendor. Oh, right. Yes. Um... I know her from other things too. I'm just being dumb tonight. Oh I, yeah, uh, she's been in a lot of things. That's just yeah. the first thing on that I see that comes up in the. Oh, she was on Wayward Pines. Hmm. I never saw that. Um. All right. So it's it's a FEMA truck that's smuggling people in. So that makes a lot of sense. Um. Mm. And I was a little confused because her hair, Annie. We look, soon learn her name is Annie. Annie's hair is like white blonde. So I was confused. Like, is this a zombie trying to be snuck out? Is this a zombie being snuck in? Uh, or, you know, is this like a normal thing? Yeah, but, I, I had to watch it a couple of times before I got it. Yeah, there were, uh, and there's, you know, I just assumed this whole coyote thing, especially with the, like, it seemed like there was an entrance going out out of the back of the coyote's laundromat there, that there might have been some sort of like like tunnel, um, tunnel, like underground, yeah. like literal underground railroad. I, I don't know. I figured like all the coyotes work together. I figured that this had to do with Mrs. Mama Leone. Mama, Mama Leone. You yeah. Know, I thought that it was connected to her, which she knew of him, mm-hmm. you know, towards the end we find out she knows him, but yeah, I was confused too. Yeah, that was interesting. We did le- learn in this episode that there are like several groups of coyotes and some of them are good and some of them are bad. Mm. Um, and we also why, see... Wh- why, wait, oh, why does Harrison Ford love millennials and haunted houses now? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know where that quote came from, but it seemed like the end of a very interesting story. <laughs> so it was just like a non sequitur, just pull, just pull us out of the air. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That, okay. that was funny. I was like, "What was? What were they talking what? about?" <laughs> like, is this reference? Maybe Robbie had a dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe it has something to do with the zombie apocalypse. Like, you know, he used to like his worst, the thing he hated worst was like zombies, but now he's met one and they're wicked cool. But now he just hates millennials and, uh, uh, haunted houses now. I have no idea. 
We see some zombies being shot at the border. I'm assuming they're zombies. It was a headshot. Um, so maybe they were trying to sneak out. I guess they're not putting everybody in the melon smasher. Um, but uh, yeah, Liv finds a sign. Human versus zombie scratch up. Um, and uh, too soon, basically. There was a couple too soons here. Um, yeah. That, <laughs> I like that they conveyed that that's insensitive. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, Oh my gosh, my music is playing again. Okay. Oh man, uh, I'm so glad we can't hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't want to hear "Country Boy Can't Survive." No, not my, not my music. Uh, <laughs> hashtag not my music. Uh, <laughs> what were we playing? The oh, two Sue oh. and the human versus zombie insensitivity. Yeah, being insensitive. <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, so mm-hmm. Donnie, Donnie. Did you remember, did Don? you forget Donnie's name? No, I was like, it was a, I was trying to remember which one was which. Donnie. So mm-hmm. they they're planning the uh, humans and zombie get together right. club night. But they call it humans versus zombies, which is just yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, I love when Clive comes into the the morgue and he says, "Ready to have your minds blown?" <laughs> and you know they have the corpse with the exploded skull on the side next to them. Too soon. And then he says, "Sorry, scratch that." He's like, "Oh no, can't even use that anymore." <laughs> it's like some sort of uh, words are just kind of you know frowned upon being used. Mm-hmm. You know? So we have this cute little cooking scene. This reminded me of like a, like a Nora Ephron, Nancy Myers kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. When, when she's making the chocolate candies. Or maybe even like like one of your choices, like Amelie, like some sort of like French thing. Oh, Amelie. I got to watch that again. It's so I cute. I too. Yeah. When you mentioned that, I was like, I haven't seen that since it like came out. <laughs> and I loved mm-hmm. it. So anyway. Um, so we have uh, – <laughs> Uh, Liv and Clive uh, pull in the boyfriend that Annie was supposed to meet, and it's Alan Fox, who's being played by uh, Sam Huntington. Sam Huntington. <laughs> uh, cue truly, madly, deeply for the first time in the episode. <laughs> uh, it's really cute that Liv is, you know, what she's imagining isn't what is happening in reality. <laughs> she's got this whole fantasy going on in her head. Now, there's something that happens later that I'm like, did she really see that or did she see something that she imagined she saw? But like throughout the episode, uh, like like mm-hmm. she's seeing she's like we're we're seeing things from her point of view and, you know, he's just he's he looks the same. He doesn't look he's not like saying anything like come kiss me or anything to her, you know. She's not hallucinating anything like she did in uh Oh, what was that episode? The Afterburger. Uh, mm-hmm. Afterburger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she's basically seeing hearts around him. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Sam Huntington. Uh, I immediately know him from Superman Returns. Uh, yeah, Jimmy he was Olsen. a good Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was in Being Human, the American Being Human. Mm-hmm. Playing the a American werewolf. Being, the American Being Human that was shot in Canada. That's always ah. so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he is also a Veronica Mars alumni. Um, funny enough, yes. he, he played a no-niner named Luke. And uh, he was in a couple episodes of season one. He was also in the movie. And something interesting, uh, Steph, uh, Luke was either friends or he knew he, he got drugs from uh, this other character named Troy. Do you remember who played Troy? <laughs> Wait, who? What? Luke? Luke, Yeah. He got drugs from uh, – I think it was like friends with also this other character named Troy. Do you remember Troy? No? Troy's no. played by uh, Aaron Ashmore. So uh, uh, in that episode, there were two Jimmy Olsons. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, so, yeah, I love these. Uh, we have her first Romeo and Juliet quote. Did my heart love till now, forswear at sight, for I never saw true beauty till this night. And uh, he says, like, they met in a Bridget Jones uh, diary chat room. <laughs> she's, she's like, go on. <laughs> so um, there was this question of whether uh, Alan was a Mark Darcy or a Daniel Cleaver. I'm just asking you, Steph, right up front here, who would you choose, Mark Darcy or Daniel Cleaver? Mr. Darcy. <laughs> I, I think most girls would do that. Now, how about in real life? Would you choose Colin Firth or Hugh Grant? Oh, you they're know they're getting really varied. old. Let's let's go peak <laughs> age, peak age. Like let's mid nineties, early two thousands. Okay, uh, uh, Colin Firth is not as attractive, mm-hmm. but he's I don't oh god I don't Hugh know. Grant's got some great dance moves. Hugh Grant <laughs> was attractive, was more attractive than Colin Firth, but I don't know. I think Colin Firth is more talented, hmm. but Hugh Grant has more charisma. <sighs> it's a tough choice. Tough choice. Listeners, who would you pick? You can tweet us at iZombiePodcast, and uh, I will at least uh, like any tweet that comes our way about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, not really my thing, but mm-hmm. <laughs> giving you what I what I got. I'd pick you, Grant. Okay, so uh, moving. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, um, Jimmy Olsen slash, uh, Luke slash the werewolf from being human finds out that his girlfriend had been killed and he does this huge, no, no, so dramatic, but he (laughs) had been telling her she wanted to come there and he told her, no, it was too dangerous. And there were plenty of texts of him saying that. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, is she here? You know, he was so excited. Is she here? Oh, Do you have her in a holding so cell? And they're like, no, she's dead. Oh. So this is a weird thing. Like, like when he does this no thing, like, it's funny. It's like this dramatic, over, overacting yeah. kind of romantic comedy but kind of so thing. it's so sad that he's learning that his long-distance girlfriend is dead. Mm-hmm. And that Liv is happy <laughs> that he's free. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is her new feature. New future soulmate here. Most of my boyfriends have died in terrible ways too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to say, like, hit, like the overacting is funny, but like it makes mm-hmm. it hard for me to figure out like whether he's lying or not. Because like during these cases, there's funny stuff happening, but I'm like, well, who's the killer? Who's the killer? You know? Oh, um, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so um, uh, yeah, she says uh, maybe you'll find somebody. Maybe they're right in front of your face, and you don't even know it. And then he mentions the notebook, and she says, "If you're a bird, I'm a bird," <laughs> which is a notebook uh, a notebook quote, I guess. I looked it up. <laughs> um, and then, like after he leaves, he's he's like kind of weirded out, and she like cuddles and sniffs Alan's tissue, and then like puts it in her shirt to keep it. It's like. <laughs> Ah, he was like blowing his nose on those tissues. <laughs> like gross. Uh, <laughs> um, so later, Peyton drags Robbie to the apartment because uh, Liv's trying to get her to go to Human Zombie Night. She has this idea in her head that she's going to meet Alan there, even though he never committed to that whatsoever. Yeah, he was like so checked out. He wasn't, mm. you know, he paid her no attention. All right. Uh, and I love how Robbie mentions that uh, she was practicing meat cutes with the uh, with a corpse <laughs> at the morning. <laughs> just the idea. I don't even yeah, know you can see that. It. Yeah. And Peyton asks Robbie to be his be her wingman at uh, Blaine's club, and Robbie's just like, "Nope." <laughs> 
because not only is it, you know, things are probably going to get awkward, but, you know, it's like, you know, if it was somebody else's club, would she ask as well? It's, it's you know, the whole triangle situation is still semi-fresh, I think, you know, and mm-hmm. he's not about to get into that again. I, I, I get this idea. Um, but who cares? It's time for a makeover montage. We have RuPaul <laughs> Supermodel. Uh, another great addition to my iZombie podcast playlist on Spotify if you, want, you guys want to find yeah. it. Yeah. Because <laughs> we watched this montage of them trying to dress Ravi for the club. Uh-huh. And and it just brings back, I was like, oh, 27 dresses. We see all the 27 dresses. She tries them all <laughs> on in a montage. You know, there's that. It, it's See, that. this is why I don't like romantic comedies. Uh-huh. Because they're just like Christmas movies. They're so formulaic, formu, formulaic, formulaic. formula, formulaic, <laughs> formulaic. There's there a formula. Go. It has yep. to include these things, and it has mm. to include a montage. It has to include the guy and the girl don't like each other, or there's something standing in their way, and uh-huh. she gets mad, and then they, you know, will they get? Will she forgive? You know, it, there's. It's it's like a puzzle. There's so many. There's only so many ways you can do the romantic comedy, and that's mm-hmm. why ours are different. We don't we don't like the standard rom com because they're they just like all look alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where was uh, I? Oh, the montage. Let's yeah. go back to positivity. Um, <laughs> oh, Robbie a... looked good in that suit. I was going to ask, what was your favorite? I, okay, so I'm going to read suit. off. It was the suit. Oh, I really like the Danny Zuko. <laughs> the grease. <laughs> yeah, the white undershirt and the jeans. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to say the suit and tie is probably my favorite. He said that was uh, that was kind of a uh, heads up to all the folks that say he should play James Bond. <laughs> uh, just like, what's up? Um, I did not like the black half shirt and the red shorts. I was just like, "What? No. Are, what are you doing?" Well, um, that was try- that was trying that was trying to be more fashion, more mm-hmm. um, you know, fashiony, fashiony, fashiony. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's next? Um, so that's when Major walks in, and mm-hmm. Liv immediately starts with the, "Oh, I found the love of my life, Major," and. Uh, <laughs> I love how Peyton and Ravi are just kind of standing behind her, like going, "Just don't pay attention to what's going on. You know, it's the brand. It's the brand." Yeah, because um, he's just, like, "I've had, I've had a bad day. <laughs> I don't care. We're 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 fighting. Remember, I'm going yeah. to make myself a burrito." <laughs> <laughs> and she says, "He's so brave." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we go to Human versus Zombie Night. Uh, it's terribly named. Um, and, uh, Ravi, uh, like immediately blows both Peyton and Liv off because the, the makeover's working. Like there's a girl's just like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Liv and, uh, Peyton head to the bar and Peyton says, turn up this song. It kicks ass. And if, and you know why, right? Uh, because it's Space Jam? Nope. It was before Space Jam. Oh, why? It was an Allie and AJ song. It was called The Distance. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I'd heard, like, while they were filming, like, somebody, I think, hinted on Twitter that we might hear Allie and AJ on the show. And I immediately thought, oh, my God, they're going to somehow, like, do a live performance and somehow figure out a way for Peyton to be, like, interested in singing or something, you know. But no, mm-hmm. it's playing in the back. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's still happening. But I'm, I'm assuming that this is it because it really doesn't make any sense to me for Peyton to all of a sudden have an interest in singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that Peyton's like, yeah, Blaine lets us drink here for free. 
<laughs> yeah, like I can imagine that Peyton hung out at the bar a lot when she was in college. But also this was a way to like say, you know, middle finger to Blaine. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm drinking out of you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite live lines. Do you think there's anywhere to honeymoon in Seattle that doesn't feel like, help, I'm trapped here forever? <laughs> um. And then she says, uh, human zombie relations can work. Look at Blythe and Casio and, um, Peyton. And then, uh, yeah, then she tries to talk Peyton into going after Ravi and, uh, that they have true love in Peyton very much scoffs at the idea, but I'm thinking, uh, yeah, that's, that's all an act. The lady doth protest too much. I mean, some people I saw in reactions, they were like, oh, see, Peyton's over him. They're they're, they're not going to be a couple anymore. I'm thinking, no, this is a sign. And just how much fun you see Peyton and Ravi having together later in this uh, whole party, it just convinced me that, oh, no, no, this, this is, this is still happening. Maybe it's, maybe it'll, it won't be so like dramatic as before, but, um, so. Well, see, to me, I'm going to spoil something that happens later in Moira's voice. What? But I don't, Moira brings this up that, that Peyton and Ravi are, on, are in their own little rom-com. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I liked how she said that. This, yeah, this is yeah. Peyton. Thank you, Moira. I'm giving you all the props for this. <laughs> Moira but, spoilers. Like, Peyton, <laughs> like <laughs> Peyton and Ravi, is, Peyton is not interested. You know, you know, you know, it. Next episode, she's going to fall for Ravi again. He's going to do something super romantic uh-huh. and get her attention again. Right. Because the last time he did something that was just like, screw this, I'm in love with you. Mm-hmm. Um, he screwed it up. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah. hopefully he doesn't screw it up this time. Anyway, we find out in this that uh, Liv's favorite song is Space Jam by the Quad City DJs, which... Uh, <laughs> Isn't that great of a song, but it sure leads to a great like little dance section between the the three of them, which is just so much fun. Uh, I just well, love- I'm sure children children of the '90s probably think that that's the greatest song ever. <laughs> you know, it's you probably had to have been there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't see a lot of people like going, "Oh my God, Space Jam!" Like on Twitter, it was more like Space Jam, really. <laughs> but I, you know, I think it's more there for the comedy that like. Liz's yeah, I think favorite it, song it adds to to that girl's what's her name? Annie. Annie. I think it adds to her character that she's like this naive. Uh, I don't know. Just this yeah, naive, thinking, silly girl. That maybe it isn't Liv's favorite song. Well, actually, no. Peyton does say Peyton says that is your favorite. So we're playing your favorite song, and then it's, oh. and it starts up. So it is Liv's favorite song. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. Now that the important stuff has gotten out of the way, uh, let's talk about some not so huge stuff. Uh, Basio is kissing another zombie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Space Jam is lo- a lot less important than uh, Basio kissing a zombie. <laughs> I think it's going to be that she's on a, a undercover or something. Oh boy! Still, oh, I can't. I did not. I was so mad when I saw her laying her lips on that other guy. And it was a, it was a zombie too. His her, his bracelet was uh, uh, blue, purple, whatever it wasn't. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. There's gonna be I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like there's gonna be some explanation. I hope so. I'm I'm really hoping. Uh, 
one theory that's been posited online was that uh, maybe because of their uh, uh, you know intimacy problems that they're now in an open relationship. Yeah, I just don't maybe. see that. I just uh, don't see that. I don't know. Um, but Liv is barely able to focus on that because suddenly, truly, madly, deeply fires back up when she sees this young boy named Tim sitting there. Timothy Chalamet. 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, call Liv by your name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it is it is uh, it's it's what we call a drunken cute because it's kind of like, hey, we can totally we're totally into each other. And suddenly our tongues are going like crazy at the bar, you know, <laughs> but she doesn't see it that way. She she sees it as a very romantic kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Embarrassing and gross and Robbie and Peyton out. That's true. We do that. That is that is true. That is the one yeah. time in this episode that could possibly lend credence to the fact that maybe Liv didn't see the right thing when she was seeing Basio. She just saw Basio, and mm-hmm. then suddenly she's seeing like this like soft lit romantic kiss, and then we see it from Robbie and Peyton's point of view, and it's tongues going crazy <laughs> and just it's really hard to watch. She's like licking his face. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, we'll find out next week. I'm sure. Um, the next morning, uh, Liv screams at, she lost Manic Tim's number. Manic pixie scream girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Peyton is like, I swear, she's like right outside the door with a butcher knife. Like, I don't know how she got in there that quick. <laughs> yeah. She talks about But she lost Tim's, she lost Tim's number. It, it smeared off her hand. And, <laughs> and I know Peyton is like, oh my God, he's just one guy. You know, yeah. the way Peyton goes through guys, but uh-huh. she's playing along with this brain. Um, yeah, and she talks about his piercing emerald eyes and the smooth, velvety lips of a sex angel. Sex angel. <laughs> and then they get talking about Clive and Basio, and I love the wait, line. Wait, wait, Peyton oh. talks about, you know, the F word. Oh, the F word. And lives like, what, fart? Fate. <laughs> 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 if yes. it's true love, you'll meet him again. Uh-huh. So, um, I love the line that Liv has about Clive when she talks about that whole situation. Clive won't eat soup dumplings because they have too many secrets. <laughs> this is a, this is a new writer, uh, Heather V. Vanier, and, uh, she's really good. She was given a two part episode too. And, and, uh, I, I'm really digging this. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, bravo Heather. Um, <clears throat> so Liv goes back to the station she makes a joke about Dale. Makes a joke about like Chip and Dale, and Dale's like, "What?" And she's yeah, like, she's Sorry. like insinuating that she's mentally retarded, and then <laughs> insinuating that she's old. Yeah, sorry, child of the eighties, way after your time. <laughs> Uh, there's a uh, red herring. Alan collects guns. There's a picture of him and guns, and Liv's totally over him. Oh yeah, um, she doesn't even recognize him. And that's when Liv tries to uh, in- introduce Clive to uh, this new police officer, uh, Michelle Hunter, um, who Kavanaugh is just a bit handsy with. I-, I-, I was not a fan. Like it's like like his his trainee or his uni that they were calling it. Um, mm-hmm. But he was like putting his hand on her shoulder and. Uh, as I was like, Kavanaugh, hands off, buddy. That's not workplace behavior. Um, so anyway, Clive's getting very annoyed by her, but she doesn't. He doesn't quite know, <laughs> Sadie. Uh, he doesn't quite know why she's acting this way, and she's not going to say anything. So uh, Liv 
See, because you have to have you have to have in every episode uh clive not understanding what liv is talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny people thought oh she, he knows she eats brains that it'll probably ruin a lot of that nope still got plenty of comedy in that area so uh liv gets triggered into a vision sees the the coyote um what's his face uh bruce and uh goes to jimmy the sketch artist and jimmy thinks she's been sketching bruce this entire time nope she, he, he's been sketching tim uh, it was good to see Timothy Jimmy again. <laughs> yeah, he's very entertaining. Uh-huh. No matter what he does, he's very interesting. <laughs> and then later we see her quoting along with Casablanca on her TV. See, I thought that would be on your list too. Uh, no, no. Okay. Right. I hate Casablanca. You hate Casablanca? Yes, I do. All right. I do not like, uh, what's his name? Humphrey Bogart? I do not like Humphrey Bogart. Wow. I do not like him in anything. Maltese wow. Falcon, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I do not like him. Uh. I do not like John Wayne. I do not like Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> Cannot watch them. Well, uh, so you don't want me to do this accent the rest of the podcast, do you? Well, I sound more like Peter Griffin than Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Liv gets a call from uh, Mama Leone, uh, and um, <laughs> she shows up and uh, talks about Bruce. His crew lures people over the wall to kill them, steal their brains, even their money, and, oh, and even just kind of hold them for ransom and then kill them anyway. Mm. Uh, Bruce is a is a bad guy, and uh, she knows how to steer clear of him, and she basically says, you just got to learn how to mourn, move on, and never forget about these the, the people we lose. Yeah, I, I really like that this situation that they've created walling off the city. There's so many things that can come out of it. So many mm-hmm. uh, uh, situations, so many um, different story possibilities. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like every season, I swear, the show is jam-packed. And then the next season, it's even more jam-packed. <laughs> There's so mm-hmm. many things to think about here. Yeah. I mean, listening to your, your – oh, yeah, uh, well, well, all that which, you know, I was like, I forgot all about that. Oh, yeah. Well, what which, which Seth's talking about, I'll be playing in a few moments uh, here. Yeah, we'll um, get to that later. Special segment for the podcast. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Liv has another vision. She sees Bruce burned his hand at his incinerator. Um, Liv and Clive are able to track down um, that there was an incinerator near where the crime scene was. Um, they go into this dark, eerie building. And um, Clive finds the oven. Well, actually, Liv finds it and points to it. And Clive puts his flashlight to it. And it says Dutch. And I'm like, really? Really, writers? A Dutch oven? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I could say that's dumb. But I respect it so much. (laughs) I am the same guy that says that's what she says. uh, Probably like uh, 10 years past his prime. But I'm still saying it. Anyway. uh, So, uh yeah, Bruce uh, apparently is killing people and burning the bodies. He, Clive finds like a whole group of skulls and says, uh, this is a serial killer. So, wow, mm. he's a serial killer and I zombie. Um, yeah, very heavy for this uh-huh. light and fluffy show. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's leave all that. We're going to continue it next week. Uh, let's talk about, uh, well, it's Major Chase and Blaine's uh, part of the story. Uh, so we start with Major who's telling Chase about Jordan's situation and that the video hasn't leaked uh, yet. So Chase tells him to go find the video. Um, but according to like during the makeover scene, it didn't seem like Major had found that video yet. So hopefully he finds it. Chase uh, shows up 
with a flyer for the Darwin Project and uh, shows the uh, his fellow soldiers, not major, interestingly enough, um, about the Darwin Project. And these soldiers seem like they're on equal footing with Chase because they're not afraid to like tell him he's kind of screwing things up and that maybe he shouldn't be um, concentrating on things like the Darwin Project. The Darwin Project is a group uh, that wants zombies to flee Seattle and uh, come be studied and they'll pay them tons of money. So I don't know if that's going to come up as another side plot that we're going to have to worry about. I don't know. Uh, if maybe there's a coyote that's working for the Darwin project. Um, but uh, zombies are being turned by co- coyotes still. Uh, they're, they're talking about and that uh, the brain donations are low. Some of them are falling off the trucks and that uh, we're headed towards starvation. We got four to six months left before uh, we have a bunch of, you know, Romero zombies coming for Chase's head. And uh, they said about 10,000 could do it. So, okay. We know it's looking dire. It's looking yeah. serious. It's going to get season finale. It's going to be bad. Okay. Yeah. Four to six months. That seems like season finale time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Chase knows who to go to, to try to help out with the coyotes. It's our, uh, our e- evil mastermind Blaine. Um, so, uh, Chase says that, uh, or Blaine says, or Chase says it smells like decay. And Jesus, Blaine's like, it's a basement. Maybe it's your upper lip. We're all like, we're zombies, you know, we're all decaying. So do zombies smell? Because like last week there was a, a reference to that. Uh, the first something you mean about the season finale. Was it the season first, finale? Sorry, season about- premiere. Season premiere. I should have said. Yeah, season yeah, it was, premiere. It was the. Uh, it was because the, the brain she was on was like a zombie racist. It was she did you know you know racists sometimes say that other races smell you know it's not actually okay. a, a true thing now. Nah. See, that's what I was confused about. Yeah, it was maybe they shouldn't have done some sort of reference like that so soon, but I don't know. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chase says that um, Renegade, uh, who we know as Mama Leone, her operation is turning more humans into zombies than other coyotes. And I'm assuming that these are like terminally ill people that we were mm-hmm. first you know, hearing about. Yeah. Um, and Chase offers Blaine. He's like, bring me Renegade. I leave you alone. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, uh, to the ladle from the grave, we have a uh, brain dealer uh, making money, selling brains, and it looks like he's got the brains of Annie in his little case. So I'm thinking this guy Dalton is going to be um, a way to get to Bruce. Um, but I don't know. He doesn't seem like I work with a serial killer type. He's got his little case. Everything's organized. He's got a binder of social media profiles to be like, here's our soup for the day. And <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's so crazy. Like, would you like to try mime brains? Uh, no. <laughs> No, I wouldn't. Donnie, of course, very much into it. <laughs> um, Dalton, by the way, is played by another Veronica Mars ma- uh, uh, vet. Um, it's Ryan Devlin. Did you recognize him? No. It's been a while since I've watched Veronica Mars. Like, yeah. I didn't watch, I watched that like bef- uh, I, last time I rewatched it was before we started Night Zombie, so it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he played Mercer in uh, season three. He was uh, he was one of the, oh was uh, this one of these one of the college, college guys yeah oh, and uh, hated that season yeah yeah um, I don't want to spoil anything there's more about him but I don't want to spoil anything um all right so we find also that there's another restaurant called La Dome <laughs> and that Romero's <laughs> is in competition with La Dome 
And, uh, yeah, so uh, Blaine pulls Dalton aside, and uh, Dalton then talks about uh, this old guy that was at death's door had jumped the wall and got scratched by some quote-unquote old broad. So Blaine wants Dalton to bring this old guy to him, and maybe he can get the old guy to uh, tell him about Mama Leone, uh, which he does. It's funny that the the whole smell thing comes back when this guy, Anthony, uh, shows up. He says, I love the smell. And it, it looks like Blaine's got a bunch of scented candles all around <laughs> because he took it personally. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he was uh, like, it smells like this, it smells like that. And he was like, oh, uh, pomegranate. Yep, yep. Yeah, this guy was great. He was a great character. Uh, too bad he had to die. Yeah, he was. He had Parkinson's. He did. Yeah, which made me think, like, really quick, was mm-hmm. if if Blaine cured him and let him live, would that mean he'd have Parkinson's back again? Like, if you're cured after you you have like a an illness that's that can't like heal. Oh Lord, let's don't even let's don't even go there. <laughs> Where's our science people to email in, Jen? Uh, <laughs> So, uh, it turns out that Blaine has the missing cures, all 16 of them, which are now 15, because um, what Blaine does is he cures Anthony, turns him into a human, and then uh, immediately busts his head open and eats his brains um, to uh, get any sort of vision of where maybe he saw Mama Leone. Mm. And, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, big reveal. The cures have been in Blaine's possession all this time, and uh, as you as we were hinting at before, Steph, um, I recorded a special segment earlier this week while you were vacationing in Tampa, which is why we're a little late this week. But um, uh, by the way, was it nice? Tampa is very nice. Awesome. It's full of old people <laughs> and manatees, apparently. Manatees, yes. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I recorded a special segment, and um, it's all about. Um, well, I had to think about why the cure, the Blaine stealing a cure, makes sense to me, and I had to kind of go back and revisit season three, um, and and think about um, why, um, or you know, how that whole the lie about the memory loss led to Blaine stealing the cure. So uh, uh, take it away, Robin. Okay, so this is a little side section I recorded earlier. Um, it's all about the cure and just following Blaine from, uh, you know, what we know about him now. We know that he was lying about losing his memory f- for at least that long. Um, he was also lying about uh, not having the cure. So uh, let's rewind back to the third season. Okay, so we're in... Uh, a place where we have uh, the cure. Well, we have two cures. We have one uh, that Major took, where the side effect was death by pneumonia. And, of course, cure number two, which was the side effect was memory loss. So we soon would learn it was only about 24 to 48 hours. Uh, it's interesting that Donnie kind of calls it an episode, uh, well, the s- season premiere of uh, season three, Heaven Just Got a Little Bit Smoother. I had just been shot several times. I mean, zombie or not, bullets hurt. And I'm lying there praying that Mr. Boss's Dinwood Henchman doesn't shoot me in the head. And then suddenly it all became clear. You made all this happen. All of what? Everything! 
I don't know when you got the idea, but I'm guessing it's when you took the cure and it worked, and then you weren't a zombie anymore, and then you realize, wait, if there's a cure, then I don't have a business anymore. And so then you thought, what's a side effect no one would want? Total memory loss. That's the ticket. But keeping your business wasn't the only upside, was it? No. That smoking district attorney is never going to fall in love with old drug dealing, murder, and blame. But what about the new improved version? I mean, fair enough. It's fine. I mean, if you had just told me, I would have been on board. I'm mean, good on you, man. They're playing checkers. My boy Blaine is playing Monopoly. So Blaine gets out of the business of utopian kingpin and becomes devoted to selling brains, singing sappy songs, and mainly winning Baton over. He not only gives up his business for our favorite gal pal assistant DA, he also hands over his inheritance happily. But in season 303, Eat, Pray, Live, Blaine gets some intel. Ravi mentions in front of him that he not only had one vial of the cure, he also created 17 more. Uh, <clears throat> I've developed a serum that could potentially undo the memory loss that accompanies the second zombie cure. It could take several days to know if it works. If it does, you'll get your memories back, which would also mean we have 17 doses of a viable cure. And what if it doesn't work? The most likely risk is it doesn't do anything at all. And the less likely risks? There could be side effects. Could it kill him? It probably won't. But it could? I am... Sorry, gang, but... I gotta pass. The discussion continues, and Blaine learns that if the serum doesn't work, either nothing will happen, or he'll die. And he obviously refuses. But... Major then says that he's going to take the cure when he's close to dying, and when he loses his memory, he's going to take the serum, which means that Major has some hope here. If Blaine proves that the serum doesn't work, then Major might not have that hope. If Major doesn't have that hope, then maybe he might not even take the cure, because if he does, he'll, he'll forget everything that he was, and why bother living? But then Ravi makes this impassioned speech where he comes off sounding like an ass, but he also admits to Peyton that he's acting that way because he loves her. That's when Blaine decides to be the big hero and get the serum injected. Why are you being such a dick? It isn't obvious. It's because I'm in love with you. Shoot me up, Doc. Thank you. You don't have to do this. I know. Which is pretty brave, because he already has his memories back, and he's seen what one of Ravi's serums can do to someone like that zombie priest Gabriel. But he has to keep Ravi from testing this on Major, and he needs to take the spotlight off of Ravi. So, luckily it doesn't work, and it doesn't kill him. Also, Ravi has a drunken shag with catty cups and screws up any chances of redeeming himself in front of Peyton. Uh, 
As Blaine waits out the clock for the serum to work in the next episode, wag the tongue slowly, he knows that his time is limited before the truth comes out. So, he starts talking to Peyton about accepting his baggage. You can't just assume the worst. Yeah, well, the Blaine you knew killed people, okay? And behavior like that just doesn't come out of the blue. A few of those people probably begged for their lives. Maybe you'll find some good memories in there. People you loved, who loved you back. You've taken the warp tour, Peyton. You met my dad. You got an inkling of what my childhood was like. You get what you're hoping for, and I'll get back all the memories that led me to becoming a murdering brain dealer. Or maybe... Maybe your memories come back, but you stay this new and improved version of Blaine. And soon, when Peyton is almost relieved that the serum doesn't work, they're back in bed together. She likes this version of Blaine, which is why he still holds the truth back. Now, we don't hear anything from Blaine or Peyton in Episode 5, but in Episode 6, Some Like It Hot Mess, Liv finds them shacked up together, making breakfast. She tells him and Peyton about the blue juice, and the following day, Blaine takes the copy of the blue juice recipe that she forgot because she was on Hot Mess Brain. And that night, Peyton brings Chinese to Shady Plots and says that Donnie told Ravi that Blaine is obviously lying, and also reveals that Major took the cure a couple of days ago. Now, Blaine knows the time is up. His time to make a case for new, improved Blaine is over. I mean, it doesn't even matter anyway. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. It's just, this is you, right? Because if this version is the real version of you, then does it matter how we got here? So even if I faked losing my memory, you wouldn't even be a little mad? I don't know. I'm just, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> How's the curry shrimp? I have good news. Oh, the shrimp's amazing. Oh. That major's gonna get his memory back. And the good news doesn't stop there. Um, this is me. This version of me, small business owner, amateur lounge singer, guy that feels lucky every time you walk through that door. Major's memory is going to come back. It fades out slowly at first and then completely, and then a couple days later it just snaps back into place. And you know this because? Because it's. it's what happened to me. And it's what gave me the idea that I could change my life, change who I was. Change the way people viewed me. Well, it worked. <laughs> You've made a fool of me. This whole time, my friends could have been cured. Liv could have been human for months. You're a sad, selfish, greedy man. Wait. What happened to it didn't matter how we got here. I'm a lawyer, Blaine. I shouldn't be trusted. She doesn't react as he hoped, so now Blaine has lost her, and he'll have to now revert back to old Blaine in everyone's eyes. It's back to being the guy that everyone hates. He has the blue juice formula to add value to his brain business, but there's one last thing he can do to protect that business and put the screws to Liv, Major, and especially Ravi. That night, he breaks into the morgue and steals the cures. It's the easy answer, and I, I've read some people are 
not exactly happy about it, but Peyton says it best here. It had to be blank. The, the timing's just too obvious. He had knowledge, opportunity, motive. He's protecting his brain business. And there you have it. Back to you, uh, me. All right. Thanks, Robin. Uh, <laughs> it's funny talking <laughs> to myself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, there you have it. Uh, the, the fact that Blaine was lying about his memory loss uh, and he just got so you know desperate to take any sort of opportunity – you know, just like he took the recipe for the blue juice, he busted into uh, um, the morgue and took the cures. Uh, probably before he went and did his piano set that later that night. So, um, all right. So um, we should get into feedback before it gets any later. Uh, let's see here. I got to remove this and add that. All right. So we're going to hear from Moira. And after that, we're going to hear from Jeff, I think. It might be the other way around. Let's see how this thing does it. <laughs> nope, it's Jeff first. Here we go. Hey, Robin and Steph. This is Jeff X Force 11. Man, this week's episode was a blast, and I'm so glad it's a two parter. I really enjoyed getting to see Sam Huntington, our resident werewolf. From Being Human, the U.S. version. Good to see him in another show. And man, what fun was it to see the Robbie Fashion Show. <laughs> that was amazing fun with the two ladies just watching on. I love this episode. Can't wait to see what's next week. Thanks. X-Force 11 out. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see uh, next week's episode as well. It's a, it was a lot. It was a really fun episode. Um, although not all our feedback is happy about it. Uh, however, we have uh, we have Moira here, um, and she she's got some uh, um, thoughts on it as well. My brain is dying. Here we go. Hi, Robin. Hi, staff. Moira here. So, Brandless in Seattle, part one. Uh, there are a couple funny bits in here. I love the reappearance of Jimmy the Sketch Artist. He is always welcome. And the bit with Liv where Sharon sketched the uh, the love interest instead of the suspect. That was pretty funny. Um, I liked the scene where uh, Liv and Peyton are helping Ravi to do his makeover. That just made me giggle. Um, I don't... Mm, I hate to, hate to be a downer, but I didn't love... Um, Rose McIver's, you know, rendition of a love-struck rom-com girl. I, I think sometimes I felt like she was playing it a bit too broad, a bit almost overacting. Please don't hit me. But, uh, you know, like when she's staring in the closet and, and to look for Robbie's clothes and the expression she's making, uh, you know, in terms of choosing which closet she wants, um, they're just a bit overdone. And, and I don't know, she just seemed a bit brainless. So, I, I you know, I'm kind of hoping in part two, it, the, the romantic comedy character thing is a bit more subtle, but whatever, we'll see. But something I do think is kind of fun is... Uh, you know, Ravi's coming over and he's irritated with Peyton, you know, because it wasn't really an emergency. And later at the dance club, Peyton's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm over Ravi. And I thought, oh, my gosh, these two are in the middle of a rom-com almost because they're both professing that they're irritated by the other. But I don't really believe it because my prediction is that they are still going to end up having some sort of romantic interest. Mm-hmm. At least I hope so. I still like those two together. And they never got the romantic movie date, remember? So I think they're still owed that, writers. They're owed that. Yes. Um, all okay. right. Clive, and this whole question of whether Bozio is being unfaithful to him, 
I am really hoping that was some weird undercover thing she was doing. I'm really hoping because, I don't know, I like her and I just, I can't believe she'd do that. Unless, of course, she just wants sex. I don't know. Maybe she just needs sex. I have no idea. I guess we find out in part two, though. And that brings me next to Blaine. You know, every time we just start to get kind of comfortable with Blaine and we're just kind of liking him, we get to see the real horrible, creepy, sociopathic side of him that is always lurking there. Always. And that last scene with him and the wine glass and the music playing and he's ever so expertly cutting open that brain and about to enjoy it. That was the whole, that whole scene with, with our hapless victim it just gave me the creeps, which is what it was meant to do. I know that, but I'm just saying, never, 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 people, never forget, Blaine is a sociopath. He really is. Oh, but hey, a tiny medical aside, I wonder if Jen, Jen, I wonder if you did this too. Is it just the doctor people that do this? But when Blaine pulled out these 16 doses of a cure, oh, and by the way, yay, we always, I think we always suspected him, right? That's what I'm remembering, I think. Hey, right <laughs> Uh, happy to finally know where those doses went, to have it confirmed that Blaine took them. Uh, but in any case, I honestly had to go back and look to see from whence he removed them because all I could think was, if you want the vaccine to still work, I hope you've been refrigerating it. And I think I think that was a little bar fridge you took it out of. So good for you, Blaine. Good job. And just on a general note, this whole series is going to a very dark place between the prophet rousing up the rabble mob ready to go and, you know, just blunden for brains and the fact everybody's going to be starving in four months, all of that stuff. It's all just building to an apocalyptic ending, which is cool. It means there's going to be lots of drama. So I'm excited. All right. Till next time. Bye for now. Thanks, Moira. Uh, yeah. Uh, first off, Rose overacting? I don't know. I I, I I just think she's just being funny. I don't know. <laughs> just what I, do you think? I think I think the character was there wasn't much of a character there, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was the actor's fault or the writing or whatever. But I I just feel like we could have they could have done a better job of giving us somebody who was obsessed with rom coms, like more of a like who is she? Mm-hmm. I mean, like if I describe this Amy. She's from the Midwest. She might be a little naive. She falls in love easy. Everything is about romance. I, I mean, I, there needs to be more there. I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, it's basically just like any romantic comedy. You know, you think about the, the naive girl in the middle of it just believes in love. And I mean, we know this person. You know, I don't know if we needed it really laid out, but I don't know. I enjoyed it. <laughs> But um, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, oh, Ravi and Peyton. Because mm. uh, uh, I'd said that uh, I said that I'd heard already listened to this voicemail and knew that Moira Spires. was saying that. I'm uh, sorry, but technology. <laughs> <laughs> Peyton and Ravi are in their own rom com, and I didn't realize it while I was watching it the first time. But that adds to. Uh, that gives it another layer, gives the episode more of a rom-com layer. But it, it, I don't know, it just seemed thin in that regard. Uh, it was good. Um, because, you know, sometimes these episodes are heavy on the theme, you know, the yeah. rom-com, you know, and sometimes, I guess that because there's so much other things going on with Blaine, Kieran, the uh, Anthony, and... Mm-hmm. The serial killer realizing there's a serial killer. There's just so much going on. There can only be there's only so much room for the rom com. We'll see what happens next week. I mean, you know, 
we had our two-parter last season, and it was uh, Caddy Cups's, uh, you know, <laughs> brain. But it only really affected her in the first episode. It didn't affect her in the second. But then again, that was a season finale. You would expect that they were really not going to focus too hard on the brain as mm-hmm. they would in, like, you know, like a third and fourth episode. Who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh boy, we have some emails here. We should really get into them. You got uh, your first one in front of you. Yes, from Efrix. Right. He says, hey, Robin and Steph, as the season keeps going, I wonder if we'll ever see a return to the normal live versus the new brain dynamic rather than live completely transformed by the new brain. I'm not liking this aspect of the show right now, although I suppose the writers think it's necessary to ramp up the brain of the week wackiness in order to balance the gloom of new Seattle. Um, I disagree, yeah. though. There's... Still, a, uh, there's still lots of great comedy. Be mined from the core cast interactions. The dynamics of New Seattle are complicated enough already, but I do like the good coyote versus bad coyote concept. Don Lewis's Mama Leone is a welcome, a very welcome addition to the cast, and I hope we get to see lots more of her. I'm also glad to finally know who stole the cures, and curious to see what Blaine has in mind to do with the remaining syringes. The episode as a whole worked well, particularly the music selections, and seeing Peyton on tequila was as much fun as I could have asked for. I'm assuming that Bazio was on a brain mm, and or undercover in the scratching post. If she's really cheating on Clive, I will go full on zombie mode myself, <laughs> eagerly anticipating part two. All the best, Efrex. <laughs> Thanks, Efrex. Yeah. Yeah, what if she's on a brain? What if she's like on a caddy cup's brain, you know? And she's not responsible for her actions. And then again, Justin wasn't a big fan of the whole I'm not responsible for my actions when Liv did that to him. So, I don't know. Um, let's go on to Tim. Tim sent us two emails, actually. He wasn't he wasn't a huge fan of this episode. There's a lot that he wrote. But luckily, he wrote uh, a, a different one and said, if I should read this, I should read this if I read anything that he says. So I'm just going to read that to, to, to help with time here. He says, hey, Robin stuff, that cliffhanger. Uh, no, that doesn't work for me. And honestly, it's not due to character bias. Tim loves Blaine. Uh, but <laughs> so much as the fact we saw what Blaine was doing when the cure was stolen. And in my opinion, he was vindicated. He was making blue juice, then he went to his gig. There was no real time for him to steal the cure. Um, Tim, I gotta say, you should re- rewatch the episodes uh, six, seven. Um, yeah, he was making blue juice at a different time, I believe. Um, and the gig, I think, was in the next episode. Well, and also probably. The writers may not have known who actually stole the cures last season. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, when they were writing it, they probably gave themselves lots of options Uh at the time, is what I figure. That's another question to ask. Like, did you know all along it was going to be Blaine, you know? And whether they tell me the truth or not is the (laughs) thing. Who knows? Uh, but, um, anyway, uh, let me just continue. Uh, maybe Chase did and gave it to him to help with his investigation. Uh, see, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think if Chase kept the cures, if he just Chase had the cures, he'd keep them himself. Yeah. They're too valuable to give away, especially to blame somebody who is, he doesn't trust at all. I'm sure. Yeah. It just seems very lazy to make it Blaine, in my opinion. A while back, I sent Robin a detailed theory on Twitter involving Natalie and how her story didn't line up in the mysterious Osborne Oats. The first person Liv and everyone suspected is actually the guy who stole it. That's just, I'll say it, bad writing. Tim. Ouch, Tim. Yeah. 
But Blaine's our villain. Yeah, it makes sense. It really does. He was the, the cures disappeared as soon as he was outed to Peyton. He had to figure out he 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 was you know before everybody thought of him as the bad guy. He had to take every opportunity he could, and you know he's got his brain business to protect. Anyway, uh, I'll let you read Daisy's. Daisy's email. I've got to say, this week's episode was amazing and definitely one of my favorites. First, I cannot get truly madly deeply out of my head. Neither can I. <laughs> While the brain was a little over the top, as they all have been recently, it was a lot of fun. I absolutely love how the style of the show shifted to be more like a rom-com, complete with 90s love songs and a makeover montage. <laughs> this brain really allowed everyone working on the show to get extra creative, and plus the case is related to the serialized elements of the show. I always prefer that than to the self-contained ones. I should have known Blaine stole the cures, especially after it was revealed he lied about the memory loss. That scene was really dark. In fact, this was a really dark episode, but it was much more palatable with the rom-com influences. It was a smart pairing that balanced out really well. Kudos to the writers. Good point. Mm -hmm. I have so many questions moving forward. Will Chase try to play plea with the government to get my brains i don't know i feel like they're pretty self-contained like everybody outside the walls does not want to have anything to do with new seattle yeah i don't know <laughs> i mean if it turns into romero time i'm i'm assuming the gates will be opened at the end of the season <laughs> like don't kill me go get brains <laughs> it's on i don't know where am i at will uh, we find out about the okay. cure will we find out about the cure why is no one else talking about developing a cure? Is Renegade a zombie herself with the yes. pseudo-normalcy she is? Yeah, she's scratched. She's scratched uh, Anthony. Oh, scratched Anthony. That's right. Well, they said an old lady, and I mean, she's not old. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> old broad, come on. She's like... I mean, she's older than Liv, but she's not yeah. old. And she's somebody like 50, who's I old, think. she's not old. Right. Uh, 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 will the pseudo normalcy in New Seattle come crashing down? Yes. Hoping we don't have any breaks during the season. Can we watch straight from week to week? Because there's just so much going on. Oh, Let I got some back. bad news. Uh, it's going to be a break. <laughs> uh, I don't know how long the break. I don't think the break's going to be any more than two weeks. It might just be one week. I don't know. Um, but they announced the season finales, and they said that I Zombie was. Um, let me just. I think it's May twenty eighth. Yeah, May twenty eighth. And so, if you, uh, I counted out the episodes, and if the season finale is like a two hour season finale, um, then we're probably going to have a two week break. If it's just a one hour season finale, we're just going to have a one week break. Where the break is, I have no idea. Stay tuned. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daisy says she's just glad the show's back and have us back podcasting. Cheers. Thank you. Oh, P.S. You guys promoted the River. We promoted the Riverdale Registry podcast a couple of weeks ago. I've been listening to it for a while. I want to confirm it's a great pod. And Caitlin <laughs> and John are iZombie fans. They even mention iZombie in like the first four or five episodes of the Riverdale Registry. Highly rec recommend. It's Riverdale <laughs> Register, by the way. Register. If you want to look it up. Oh, you said the sorry. registry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to push through here. Uh, Facebook feedback. Dave says, so much going on in this episode. Great to have some humor back after those first two episodes. One, love the chocolate hearts Liv made. 
this episode would work perfectly if it had been released over the Valentine's week. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I wonder if they were planning on that. Um, two, love the line about Liv's boyfriend. Since becoming a zombie, they have all died. <laughs> Major's still around, but technically has died a few times. Uh, <laughs> hey, I've died twice. Um, number three, do not mess with Clive Bazio relationship. I honestly am getting a little bit annoyed. I'm soured with the Major live on off again thing and just don't care about them as a couple. Boo. I love uh, one true pairing. Uh, <laughs> on the last episode, I declared that P- Clive and Bazio were my new, was my new couple to root for. Please let live be mistaken. Yeah. I, I'm definitely rooting for them though. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, he says three again. <laughs> uh, speaking of relationships, Peyton, sorry, sorry, Dave. Speaking of relationships, Peyton clearly still finds L- Ravi charming and have, has some feelings there. Love the little makeover session. Some of them were ridiculous. Ravi sure does good look at, look good in a suit, even if I am pretty sure he would not fit into major suits. Yeah, they should have showed uh, like the the pants coming up like to his ankles or something because I think he's taller <laughs> than major. Uh, number four, seriously, that is Liv's favorite song. WTF, Liv. <laughs> Five, fascinating to see the two sides of human smuggling, the ones that seem to be doing it to help out others, and the ones who clearly have only selfish reasons, yeah. Six, it was Blaine who had the cures. That scene is pretty serious reminder that as much as we love Blaine, he really is a bad person willing to do anything. Thanks, Dave. All right, here's Nettie's email. More of Liv disappearing into the brains this episode. I think if this is addressed later as a coping mechanism, that she's showing herself, uh, that's not what that says, <laughs> that she's <laughs> allowing herself to hide, it could be pretty good. But I'm not holding hope for that. I think it is more likely the writers don't have anything interesting for Liv to do, so they are focusing on the brains and the other characters. Mm. I think the Ravi makeover was total fan service, and I thank them for it. <laughs> I think the fans adore him, but the show, but in the show, he can't get the love we want because he is supposed to be the nerd. Except he is uh, super charismatic that uh, the that we fans forgive him uh, forgive him for past flaws. Peyton is awesome, and yeah, we forget what he did to Peyton. We just want mm. them together. Uh, Peyton is awesome and I want, huh? I said exactly. Yeah. Peyton is awesome and I want more for her than just looking on and being with a dude that she didn't invite to the club, but called Ravi instead. I love Mm. the renegade and the conflict of Blaine wanting to find her and he will and turn her over to Fillmore Graves against Liv being a supporter and her being one of the good guys, I think will be Good story content. I'm loving her. We remember the Annies. They cast her well for this. Props for not having the profit in this episode. <laughs> it's not often we don't finish a case. I know it is uh, a part one, but still, this is an interesting case of the week that will likely be more of a mythology episode. Those can be really good. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Nutty. Um, James actually said in the chat room um, um, that the break might actually be the night of the NCAA finals. I don't know what the dates are for that, but if you figure out those dates, maybe that'll be the week that we're taking a break. Sports ball people, let us know. Sports. Yes. Rob Thomas, call me. Um, 
<laughs> Michael Michael R says, I may be too late to get my comment in, but I didn't get a chance to watch until later this week. Overall, I didn't really care for the episode. Liv was just too over the top with her brain. I miss the Liv character. Now all we see is whatever brain she's on. She's become so obnoxious or yeah, obnoxious in the last couple of brains that I'm not enjoying watching her anymore. I actually had to turn the episode off partway through and come back to it because I couldn't stand watching her. Wow, Michael! I'm hoping there's some canon explanation for her getting so totally absorbed by the brain, but I'm worried that it's just the writers running out of ideas or getting caught up in the humor of the brain. Whoo, Michael. Wow. Wow. Uh, I just don't see it that way. I don't know. There were lots of good moments in the episode, but I tend to watch shows for the characters. If I can't enjoy watching them, then I'll eventually drift away. Sorry to be so negative. That's right, Michael. You should be. Uh, but I'm not running off right away or anything, but I'm definitely not thrilled with the current direction they're taking the characters. The storyline is fine. I like the post-apocalyptic theme. If they can get the characters back on track, I'll be all in again. Yeah, I, I, I hope uh, part two uh, you know, makes it better for you, Michael. I'll be happy to hear back from you about it. Okay, this is from Naomi. Just watched Brainless in Seattle, and no, Blaine, no, I love you, but why would you... Uh, of, why would you have taken the cure? I mean, I do not want Liv to have them back because then means no more show, but still. <laughs> Maybe Donnie got it from for him, but I still, uh, but I just, yeah, I love Blaine so much, but taking the cure was possibly too far. He's just going to use it as a torture device, and then people like Liv want to be cured. Hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. And Naomi is actually new to our group. So, uh, welcome Naomi. Um, James actually just messaged us back. (laughs) Thanks James. Uh, He said the NCAA finals are April 2nd. So, uh, that is a Monday. Um, so from the looks of it, what's today? Today is the 16th. So next week we'll have brainless in Seattle part two. The following week is the 26th, which will be, um, our hockey brain. And Yay. then, yeah, and uh, um, April 2nd will be our week off. So after uh, between episodes five and six, I guess, we're probably going to be um, missing out on a week. Um, but uh, oh, well. let's wrap up our Facebook feedback. Uh, Nikki says, I have questions. This was a strange episode. Slapstick and crazy revelations just piled up together. Not sure how to react. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Nikki. And uh, right here, I want to remind everybody to check out the app from our friends at TV Time. If you want to join a global community of TV watchers where our podcast, among others, is currently streaming, download the TV Time app today. Go to tvtime.com for more details. And thank you to everyone who's listening to us through the app. Um, And we have some quotes from TV Time. Um, Do you or Sadie want to read those? (laughs) Original Jonathan says, yes, for that Space Jam song. It had me dancing along. Joe says, when Liv said she thought Peyton and Ravi had found true love, I was like, yes, 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 they should be together. Kay said, oh, this brain is so irritating. Diami. Diami. Blaine stole the cure, figures that piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Oh, he deserves it. Deventer says, funny episode, one of the best brains. (laughs) (laughs) So, can't please everybody. No, no. Mixed feedback uh, this week, uh, but uh, glad to hear from everybody. And let's uh, hear a little promo about what's happening next time on iZombie. Tell me, where do you get all these brains? Well, I am the head of a huge criminal enterprise. 
There's a momentum on this. I can feel it. I'm from Fillmore Graves, and we don't play. Shoot, they'll tear us apart. Isn't this romantic? I'm sorry. It's what? I, Zombie. All new Monday at 9, 8 central on The CW. And of course, we're talking about uh, Season 4, Episode 4, Brainless in Seattle, Part 2. Uh, the, the very, very detailed description here says, uh, Love is a many-splendored many thing, Part 2. Liv and Clive discover the murder they are investigating was the work of a serial killer. Didn't they discover that in the previous episode? <laughs> and the other thing is, it says is, Meanwhile, Major enters dangerous territory. <laughs> Doesn't he always? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's all we really have uh, about next week's episode. So, um, I don't know. I, I came here tonight because when you realize you want to podcast the rest of your life with somebody, you want the podcast to start as soon as possible. That podcast was the most fun I've ever had without laughing. I have a podcast in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. I have found almost everything ever written about podcasts to be true. Shakespeare said, journey's end in podcasters meeting. What an extraordinary thought. Shut up. What? Just, just, just shut up. You had me at podcast. You had me at podcast. I want to stand with you on a mountain. I want to Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Send your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for iZombie Podcast, all one word. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin as well at El Robinero. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Also, a friend of the show, Cheyenne, contributes with Photoshops on our Twitter. Follow her at iZombie. Zombie love. Check out our other podcast. You can listen to us binge cast through teen dramas like Dawson's Creek and Popular. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes. You can also listen to us occasionally talk about the Buffy spinoff Angel with our friends. Subscribe to Redemption Cast on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, why not leave us a review? We do this in our spare time, so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and helps us get seen by more iZombie fans. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're done. You think anyone is still listening? Probably not. Zombies! Zombies!